Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of PewterReport.com. It is a Monday edition of the show, a brand new week of Pewter Report podcast. Hope everyone had a great weekend, and we thank you for joining us on today's show. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is the face that runs the place at PewterReport.com, Scott Reynolds. And today we're going to be talking about the absurdity of the amount of disrespect that your Tampa Bay Buccaneers are getting in the media, both nationally, publicly, publicly too, damn it. Um, it's absurd. It's ridiculous. It's, it's absurd. As some would say, because people are, you know, sending daggers to the Bucks on all levels, not just uh, because they lost Tom Brady, not just because of who their quarterback is, but so many people are doubting the Bucs. They've become gifts, memes, and everything else in between, and, we're going to put our fist down and say, no, no more disrespect for the Bucs. Ain't that right, Scott? I think it's right, Matt. And, you know, listen, I don't think either one of us are sitting here saying on uh, June 5th that this Tampa Bay Buccaneer team is going to win the NFC South or is going to make the playoffs. But I'm not saying they're not going to do it either. I just can't wrap my head around the fact that this Buccaneer team, Matt and Peter people out there, it's got more Pro Bowl talent than any other team in the NFC South. I went through all the rosters, and I, I did the tabulations. Tampa Bay has nine players that have been to at least one Pro Bowl. And not to mention a whole host of players that still, Matt, are on this team from that 2020 Super Bowl win. Mm -hmm. So this team knows how to win. They've got enough talent on this roster. I think that, that the last two drafts have been, at the very least, solid. If not spectacular, we'll see. I'm I'm higher on this year's draft than I was in last year's draft, but last year's draft produced, you know, a new punt god in Jake Carmarta, and and some <laughs> some pretty good uh, players that are either going to be role players, uh, semi stars, or star players. Guys like Rashad White, who was on the podcast for a second time, Matt last week, Kate Otten, uh, who we need to get on the podcast. Yes. And, uh, you know, and a guy that, that is going to be on the podcast coming up. No, not Logan Hall. We'll get him too. But but Luke Gedeke is going to be on the podcast this Thursday. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, the, the list of Pewter Report gets and finds uh, continues. Now we've had uh, Buccaneer players for, it's going to be three weeks in a row. We'll try to make it four and continue our streak all the way up to training camp. We'll see if we can get another player uh, on after Luke Gedeke. But Matt, uh, I'm just not ready to say that this team is uh, is, is going to be bad this year. And uh, and we'll get into the different narratives. I wrote about it on Pew right. Report, and we'll talk about it on the show today. Yeah, so this episode is inspired by an article that uh, Scott wrote a couple of days ago titled The Three Terrible Bucks Narratives from the National Media. And there's a couple of different topics. Obviously, Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask is one of them. But yeah, you're right, Scott. If we're going to start with the, the most recent draft classes over the last two years, it leaves you room for optimism. I totally understand, soon to be friend of the program, Luke Gedeke, why you would have your concerns there. Yeah. But for all the worries about a player that didn't, you know, have a rocket ship strapped to their back and went straight to outer space with a phenomenal first year, right. for all of those worries with those type of players, you know, you had Rashad White, who promising. You know, there's not a rocket strap to his back yet right. either. Kate Otten, very promising player. Like, there's already guys that are on certain levels that you feel okay about. 
Some of those guys that you aren't are Logan Hall and, and Luke Gedeke. There's right. no question about that. But even if those two players are at their quote-unquote worst, there is enough depth at those positions. There's enough talent on this roster to overcome a couple of those players. I think you got to right. take a, a grand look at everything. You can't just harp on Todd Bowles. I know everyone in the chat hates Todd Bowles. They think he's boneheaded. He makes all these mistakes. Yep. You can't just focus on all the negatives. How about the defense that he runs that kept the Bucs in all of these games That's last right. season? Okay. How about the fact that you have two of the best wide receivers in the NFL for every negative you want to look at, you have to look at the positives too. You have to be fair about it. So that's I'm right. I'm tired of everybody just putting their damn heads in the sand being like, there's no more Tom Brady. They're going to absolutely yeah. suck. They're not going to be great, but I I'm willing to bet right now. I'll bet anybody in the comments and the chats. I do not care. Come December that last month of the year, the bucks are still going to be in the playoff picture fighting for a playoff spot, maybe the NFC South, but most likely the wild card. I'm willing to put money on it right now. I do not care because it's been outlandish with just the doubt and the criticism of the Bucs. Yeah, I agree, Matt. You look at that picture there of Mike Evans. I wrote about this in this week's SR's Fab Five. I think part of the reason why the offense stalled last year, didn't produce as many points as his touchdowns were down, right? And he dropped one against Carolina. But I don't think the Buccaneers threw the, the fade route to him nearly as much as they, they needed to or should have Great. last year. And and part of that goes on Tom Brady's you know right arm. He's got the ability to to launch it Mike's way. The other part of it was maybe uh, not enough fade routes or those little one- and two-yard wide receiver screens that Mike Evans around the goal line has actually been very successful in producing touchdowns. Remember, he's 6'5", 225 pounds. He's a big dude. Throw him the ball and let him just simply stretch out and and uh, and get the touchdown. But his touchdowns were down from fourteen, which you know that's a franchise record. But we've seen Matt Evans capable of getting twelve touchdowns in a season. He's done at least twelve four times in his nine seasons with the Bucks. So, but six that's that's not an acceptable number. He needs to get closer to twelve. And I think if if the Buccaneers do that, they're going to win more games. But back to Todd Bowles, you know, it's you look at. At last year, the Bucs only won eight games, right? Seven of them, seven of those games, the Buccaneers won with the defense allowing 21 points or less. That's winning football in today's day and age. So out of the 10 games that the Buccaneers only allowed 21 points or fewer, they were seven and three in those games. And they only won eight. So it's like (laughs) Todd Bowles was doing his job on the defensive side. Now, I think it's all going to come down to Bulls's faith in Dave Canales. And is Dave Canales the guy that is going to take this offense to, I don't want to say the promised land, but at least more than 18 points per game. So if Todd Bowles got the Dave Canales hire correct, mm-hmm. and this offense can produce 20, 21 points per game. Here's the thing. If you took last year's season schedule, the results of last year. And if you only gave the Buccaneers 21 points, they scored more than 21 in some of those games, and they scored 21 you know, or less in fewer games too, keep in mind. But if you gave them 21 points, Matt, in every game last year, they win 10 games, Yeah, right? That's winning football. So if Canales' offense can produce a field goal more than the Bucs got last year, and they'll have a new field goal kicker, and that, that remains to be seen how good... Yes. 
you know, he is as well. But but that could be the difference right there. For for Todd Bowles, Dave Canales has to work. I think this offense has got to score at least 21 points per game. And I think that's the ticket to them having a winning season. And you know why the hiring of Dave Canales is already a positive and to a degree a success? Because Todd Bowles doesn't really know Dave Canales. This isn't a recycled hire. This is that's not right. The NFL at times can be a good old boys club. You know, you yeah. hire someone that you coached with back in the day, someone that you were uh, co-coordinators with. A lot of coaches get recycled either into other head coaching jobs or, um, you know, you get fired from being a head coach. You go to offensive or defensive coordinator and then you get your next opportunity. Todd Bowles hiring Dave Canal, someone that Bowles has admitted he didn't really know all too well. Now, granted, there's the hiring process and the interview process and everything. So he's gotten to know Dave Canales now. But I think the best thing the Bucks could have done is go with someone in a completely different direction. Someone that they are somewhat unfamiliar with. Someone that's going to bring a new set of eyeballs, new ideas, new concepts. Things that I'm sure there are a little bit of a ruffling of the feathers between Bucks coaches of, well, we like to do it this way. But yeah. Dave Canales comes in and says, hold up, hold up well, what if we tried this instead? And all of a sudden, it starts working. And I love the fact that it's not just Dave Canales. Obviously, Brad Isaac is in at wide receivers uh, coach. Um, Skip Pete at running backs coach. So there are changes all across the board. And that was, you know, one of the the things that I really want to address with, you know, everyone doubting the box and and everyone sliding Tampa Bay saying they're going to tank for Caleb Williams. They're going to tank for the number one pick. And we could talk about all the the signings that they made, especially re-signings with Levante David and Jamel Dean, but how can you sit there and tell us that Todd Bowles isn't at least trying to put his team in the most successful situation that they can be in when, you know, let's remember, this team won three seasons ago in 2020. That buys coaches a lot of time where it's like, well, look what I did for you then. Despite all of that, he's still fired Byron Leftwich. He's still cleaned house on a lot of coaching positions on the offensive side of the football. How can you tell me it's a better idea if you're going to tank for the number one quarterback prospect to bring in new people for one year versus, uh, well, we've been successful before. Last year didn't work out. Why don't we just keep the guys and see what goes? And if we tank, we tank. No, that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't take you from point A to point B. Todd Bowles is making a legitimate effort to right the wrongs of last season by bringing in new people with new ideas. So how do you say they're going to tank when Dave Canales is the biggest opportunity of his career? He's been a quarterback's coach. He's been a wide receiver's coach. Now he's going to be the offensive coordinator, and he's here to tank? Get the hell (laughs) out of here. Yeah, I love the passion, Matt. Thank you. He's not going to hold anything back. I mean, Dave Canales is not going to be – you know, um, having a bag of tricks off to the side that he's going to save and, you know, for next year, whatever it, you're going to, you're going to see the kitchen sink on full display on the bucks offense and defense this year. They're, they're going for broke because, you know, nobody said it, but you can look at the glaciers and their, their track record with coaches that they've hired. They give every coach at least two years. Now, correct. The real curious thing about Todd Bowles last year is he did win the NFC South title. He did get a playoff berth. It did result in a home playoff loss, which nobody liked, and it was a spanking at the hands of the Cowboys. Bucks weren't even in that game uh, on either side of the ball. So you look at it and say, okay, well, he's got the NFC South title. It's a little banner to hang up in the 
in a little practice shed outside <laughs> at the same time, though. They they were eight, nine during the regular season. You can sit there and make any excuses you want. Well, you know, they, they were beating Atlanta, and if they kept Tom Brady in, they, they would have beat Atlanta. Okay, that's maybe that's the case. Todd Bowles decided to pull the starters, and they out they got outscored 20 to nothing in the second half with the Bucks backups in there. Uh, the NFL record books are going to count that as a loss regardless. So the Buccaneers finished eight and nine. Uh, if you want to, you know, do the whole pie in the sky thing and and put the, the lipstick on the pig, you can say they finished nine and eight. And I'll say they lost the playoff game. So they're nine and nine at, at best right after the end of the season. Having said all that, I think Todd Bowles is in some jeopardy unless he gets nine wins. That would be improvement. I think that buys him another year. I don't know that he has to make the playoffs if there's one team that really rises up in the South and 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 gets 10 or 11 wins and wins the division. Maybe 9 and 8 wins the division this year for the Buccaneers again. Uh, but I think he's got to win at least 9. Otherwise, he could be in some jeopardy. We'll see how the season plays out. Um, but you know what? We're going to have a little bit more of, of a of an idea of what this team's going to look like tomorrow, Matt, because you and I are going to be out there at OTAs. So the Buccaneers have their, their last media open OTA for the, the, the off season. And then the week after that, there'll be three. Well, they're, they're mini camp. Uh, You know, they're mandatory mini camp. It's really OTAs again. It's just, you got to show up for it. So we're going to find out if, if Devin White's going to show up, right. That's going to be one of the things we're going to look at and we'll see. Some of the players that have uh, that have not been at the OTAs, that the ones that are open at least, Mike Evans, Ryan Jensen, Ryan Jensen, Russell you know. Gage. The question with Russell Gage yeah. is he actually injured or is it just something very very minute that of right. course Todd Bowles didn't want to talk about? But yeah, those are definitely yeah. a couple of guys that uh, have not been there just yet. Shaq Barrett, we'll see um, right. you know, if he's in attendance. So yeah. not not sure if he'll be clear to play yes. right in practice with that that uh, torn Achilles. I think they're targeting him for the start of the season. So my guess is he will be a, a bystander um, and, and not be participating. I pretty much guessed that uh, to be fact. Then uh, on Wednesday show, and remember this offseason, we go Mondays and Tuesdays at 4 o'clock and then Wednesdays and Thursdays in prime time to hit a different audience. And that's going to be, are the Bucks too young at some positions? Tight end room, awfully young. Safety room, very young. We'll discuss that. On Wednesday night at seven, then of course uh, Luke Gedicky, our special guest, uh, Bucks right tackle, not left guard, right tackle Luke Gedicky on Thursday show. So uh, that's what we have coming up for you this week. And um, you know th- the other thing that is noteworthy because it is a Monday, Matt, is is uh, we do this little thing, uh, and we'll do it in four minutes. So so hold off, don't don't type in the locations hold yet. Hold your horses. Hold your horses, right? We got a lot to talk about today and uh and we're going to do roll call today at at 4:20 or better yet it's known as roll call baby. Where you at Peter people? Yes, we have awesome fans all over the globe, not just America, uh, internationally as well. So this is just a fun way that we get to interact with all the Peter people that we love so dearly. So Mondays uh, in 4 great. minutes. Uh, yeah, Monday we make Mondays better than most typical Mondays. Mondays suck. That's right. It's the start of yes, a work week, do. but we make it a lot of fun, and you guys are a huge reason yeah. uh, that it is fun. So uh, at 420 in three minutes, uh, start putting in your location where you're watching from, whether it's Tampa, Florida, Albuquerque, New Mexico, or London, England. I don't know. I've just Those are the three places that came to mind in my head. But start yeah. Uh, yeah, putting it in the chat in three minutes, and we'll put it up on the screen. Yeah, absolutely. 
So um, yeah, I came up with with uh, the the topic for today's show, and I wrote about it last week, and we'll kind of dive into it on the other side of roll call. Just a quick little preview. There's three really really bad narratives that that are out there in the Twitter sphere right now about your Tampa Bay Buccaneers, um, and one of which is Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask struggling in OTAs with some errant throws, and we'll we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> oh boy, you talk about a case of selective editing. Yeah. Um, I, am going to tell you right now. And as, as Matt, he's been at every OTA along with, uh, with myself and JC Allen's been out there for one or two. Listen, Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask complete a high percentage of their passes in this offense, like a lot. Uh, I would be shocked and I haven't charted their, their throws on, on, on the open practices we've watched, but Matt, I'd be shocked if we're not talking about at least 65 to 75% of their completions uh, in practice uh, you know scott i don't care how absurd it gets tomorrow as you said we'll be at practice i think i'm going to take video of like every single pass baker throws i don't care if it's a two yard you know slant yeah. and yeah. i'll be like let's oh, chart it what a let's great chart completion. baker tomorrow yeah what let's a do fantastic it. completion by baker mayfield yeah. oh my god he's righted all the wrongs of his yes. previous otas yes it is uh doctoring to the highest degree yeah. of these videos and i i think what's really frustrating is you know, it's it's one thing when it's the national media and they're not there all the time. There's only a select number of national media that really come. That's Jenna Lane uh, of ESPN, of yep. course, and, uh, you know, Sarah Walsh Sarah from the Walsh, NFL yeah. Network. Uh, they're the ones that are still – I mean, Jenna's been there a very long time. But, yeah. uh, you know, Sarah is still going despite the fact that the Bucs aren't Super Bowl contenders like right. they were a year ago. But, you know, to see the – to see some of the national media, uh, sorry, to see some of the local media um, put out these videos of, oh, Baker struggling, when, like, dude, you're standing right there next to us. <laughs> like, you're seeing all the same completed passes, too. And to, you know, just make these stupid videos. Listen, well, I, I get I think, it. I think what's happening is, it, you know, and like like Evan Klosky, he put out his yes. his clip, right, of, of Baker you know, m- missing a pass, but there, he gave the full context. He gave the whole the whole context, and then Bleacher reports some of these other places. They they yeah. slice it and they show the one or two throws they want to show, which is Baker not connecting. And I, I'm I'm not gonna damn Tanner Talua to hell or anything, but it's like, <laughs> you know, Tanner Talua is probably not gonna be on this team. You know, so um, sometimes it's on the receiver, not the quarterback. You well, know, and, and I. I also remember Tom Brady not completing every pass, even in the, in the, in the individuals as well. So that's one of the narratives. The other two we'll get to on the other side of roll call. The Bucks are tanking for Caleb Williams. And then, of course, the Bucks should, would, or could trade Mike Evans. Oh, what a stupid, tired that's narrative. That's the worst. That, that, is, that, is, media. that is vomit-inducing. Vomit-inducing to hear those yep. words. It is. Well, folks, uh, we've teased it. We've talked about it. And now it's time for... Roll call. Where are you at, Peter people? We just explained it before, but I'll explain it again real quick. We love you guys so much. We love interacting with uh, all the Peter people watching and listening to this show. So right now, start putting in your location of where you are watching from, and we will put it on the screen. I saw Rick Hamilton before. You know, a little bit of a false start, but that's okay. We'll wait for you now. Uh, He's watching from Louisville, Kentucky. Do just like Rick did. Start uh, letting us know where you are watching from, and we will put it up on the screen. Okay. Some ground rules. Now, I want you all to know I am a first 
amendment free speech kind of guy. So I'm not trying to censor anybody or anything, but I will say uh, we do have Luke Gedeke coming on Thursday and uh, he is a guest in our house here at the Peter Report podcast. And, um, you know, you Peter people, this is your house, too. But uh, we would like for the questions and the comments to be um, civil. How about that? Yes. Have to be <laughs> good, nice. good, good word. Doesn't have to be nice, okay? Like, you can criticize whoever you want. Um, you can criticize me and Matt. We've we put up comments. You guys taking us to task about things. That's fine. Uh, we're big boys. We can take it. But at the same time, we have Luke on the show, and uh, we're looking for some some engaging, thoughtful questions. And uh, I, I think Luke is, is uh, certainly, um, you know, he'll own up to the fact he didn't have the best rookie season right pro football focus detailed that with the weekly grades however the last two games that he played Matt were his best grades and that's not just from pro football focus uh that's that's also from the Buccaneers too it's like you know Gedeke was a rookie last year moved from right tackle to left guard went from the central Michigan to the NFL from the right side to the left side there there were three kind of big obstacles in his path there and not everyone's Ali Marpet, right, where he made a seamless transition from Hobart College left tackle to right guard in the NFL, and he, it made it look easy, okay? Not everyone's Ali Marpet. Sometimes you're a Rondé Barber, right? That's right. Sometimes you're a Rondé Barber where you're so bad as a rookie that you only see action, I think, in three games his rookie season. This was the third-round draft pick of the Bucks in 1997, and covering Rondé taught me a very valuable lesson as a Bucks beat writer. And, and a team reporter. Um, it says patience is a virtue. You have to give guys a chance to develop. Not everyone's going to be a Tristan Wirfs or an Ali Marpet or an Antoine Winfield. They're going to come out of the gate, uh, guns a-blazing, and, and uh, live up to their draft billing. Okay, Ronnie Barber was so bad. And this is on a, a team that had Donnie Abraham, who was a rookie sensation, in 1996, third-round pick out of East Tennessee State. Had five interceptions as a rookie. Still, to this day, owns the Bucks rookie record for single-season interceptions. Rondé Barber was awful. And they, they so bad that they, they spent a second-round draft pick the next year on Brian Kelly, cornerback out of USC. Okay? Mm-hmm. That lit a fire under Rondé. And sure enough, within two years, and by 1999, Rondé Barber was, was Rondé Barber. Right? And then... Played, I want to say, for 16 seasons with the Buccaneers. He played for so long, I can't even remember how long he played. Um, I want to say <laughs> 2012 was his last year under Greg Schiano. So give Luke Edeke some slack. He's going to be playing his right tackle position. That's that's his, the position he's most comfortable at. He played there in one game in Week 18 against the Falcons. Showed the team enough that they're going to give him a shot there. Uh, they're penciling him in the, the depth chart, Matt. Uh, they're not putting it in pen right now, but he's going to be the guy that's going to be probably given the first crack at uh, the season opener playing right tackle unless the wheels fall off the wagon for some reason in training camp. But before you write off this guy and say he's a bust, remember that this guy was also a bust at one point. And look where he's going to be now on August 5th. He's actually going to have a bust. In Canton, Ohio, <laughs> I'm going to be there at Rondé Barber's Hall of Fame induction. So it's not how you start in this league. It's how you finish. And we'll see if Luke Gedeke 
sinks or swims, if he if he walls, if he walks or, or crawls or runs, and and we'll see how he develops. But give him some time before you write him off, uh, and know that the last two games that he played, again that week eighteen game against the Falcons, was his highest grade of any of his individual grades during the regular season. Then when he played left guard again against the Cowboys in what ended up being the real season finale, because that was the, the playoff loss, he actually graded higher there at left guard than he did the week prior. So he made some strides during his rookie season, and we'll see how comfortable he is on the right side. All we ask is that you join us Thursday night when Luke Gettyke comes on and just keep the comments civil. And yeah, just keep an open mind going into this season. Not everybody is just amazing right away. I, yeah. We've made this comparison before, but someone like Alex Kappa, again, like didn't start right exactly. away, kind of like how Luke Edicke did. But yep. it took him a couple of years, and then he became a very, very formidable yeah. starting offensive lineman for the Buccaneers. So I think you just gotta, I think you just gotta hold on to that, you yep. know. With, with Luke Edicke having such little exposure to the NFL level playing offensive tackle, I know that he did in college. That's great. Yeah. whoop de doo But only playing a little bit at the NFL level, the world is still his oyster, like going into this season yeah. at a new spot. And it's a great opportunity to just kind of start fresh, start new. And it's it's all up to him because, as you said, it's in pencil right now, yeah. not pen. But this is... This is on him. If he wants to win that job, the Bucs are going to give him every opportunity to. He doesn't have to worry about, you know, Tristan Wirfs or Donovan Smith. Donovan Smith's not there anymore, yeah. obviously. Tristan's on the other side. The depth is great on the interior offensive line, but a little bit questionable on outside uh, at, at tackle. So, yeah. Gattachy needs to win it, but the Bucs secretly kind of need it too because yeah. – I don't feel well, great about their depth there. Yeah, and, and they've got a second-round draft pick invested in him, so they have to find out, just like they have to find out about Cal Trask this year. They have a second-round <laughs> draft pick invested in him. So, um, But I'll tell you what. Um, when it comes to, to draft picks, you got to make Celsius your number one pick, right? Oh, yeah. If you're looking for an energy drink to get you going in the morning, to power you through the afternoon uh, as fuel for your, your workout, make Celsius your number one pick. And that one right there is a pretty darn good one, that new Oasis vibe is delicious folks sparkling prickly pear and lime it's available at target um i think they've got about uh, 90 days since the launch where it's only available at target then it goes nationwide so we're kind of approaching that that mark right now so for this summer it's going to be available in other places but you can find it at target right now that sparkling lemon lime is also another great afternoon flavor uh, i kicked up kickstarted my morning this morning with an orange which is my all-time favorite but folks, whether it's the uh, the Oasis vibe or the more traditional Arctic vibe, peach vibe, tropical vibe, they also have that new fantasy vibe as well. So many delicious flavors of Celsius and to give you all the energy that you need, the essential energy without the sugar crash because there's no sugar. So where can you find this delicious, tasty beverage that is the official energy drink of Peter Report? Well, I'll tell you. You can go to Celsius.com, click on the store locator, type in your address. And you'll find all of these convenience stores, these health and fitness stores, grocery stores, and what's that word? Bodega. Bodega. Around you to grab a can of Celsius. Once you find the flavors that you like, 
go to Amazon, buy them in bulk, and save some money with the subscribe and save option and ship them right to your door. And Celsius is also available on Instacart. Celsius, the official energy drink of Pewter Report. Make sure you get it now. All right, Matt, let's let's dive into some bad throws by Baker Mayfield because he's a bad quarterback with bad throws, right? That's that's just a bad narrative. <laughs> it's just a bad narrative. But uh, let, you've, I, I trust that you've got a couple of clips lined up. Yeah, so there's All two. Right. This one's pretty quick, and okay. the, it's taken a, at a different angle, so you'll All see right. us in there the background. Go. But it's just a, a quick hit. Oh, God, Baker. Oh. Oh, man. Season's over. Uh, this next one. Give uh, Trask the job now. A little more professionally done. Uh, a couple of incompletions. A couple of completions as well. So a little okay. bit more of the. Uh, is is this from truth. Evan Plosky? Is this the whole reel from him? This might be. Or okay. Kyle Berger. One of the, one of the two. Okay. All right. All right, so there, there, there's some footage there, uh, ABC Action News all over it there. And, um, you know, th- th- that gives you a little taste of, of what we've seen. Now, that's the individual period, right? That's that's where it's just throwing to wide receivers and tight ends, a lot of tight ends uh, in, in this particular clip here. And th- what you need to understand about this, and I'm not trying to be an apologist. I'm just trying to give some factual context uh, around here is Baker Mayfield, up until about six weeks ago, hadn't thrown to any of these guys, none of them. And some of these guys, like Payne Durham, uh, Dominique Daphne, and some of these newer tight ends, um, even Kyle Trask had never thrown to before, and he's been here for two years. These are brand-new tight ends and receivers. Some guys are faster than others, right? We, we know Payne Durham uh, runs close to like a five-flat. He's not the fastest tight end, right? Kate Odden is faster. Co-Keefed? Not much of a receiving tight end. He had 12 catches in his entire Minnesota career. Okay. So I'm just adding a little bit of context here just to kind of tell the story. Um, Mike Evans runs at a different speed than Chris Godwin does. He runs at a different speed than Russell Gage does. So this is what the offseason is for. This is what practice is for. It's to get a, a read and a bead on how fast do I have to throw the ball and how far can I lead a receiver or tight end with my throws? Because you're throwing uh, to, to different guys with different catch radiuses, with different speeds, right? Different acceleration out of the brakes. 
So you have to learn these guys. And I would imagine, Matt, that we're probably going to be hearing about Baker Mayfield and or Kyle Trask doing some summer school with these receivers and tight ends as well, right? We saw Tom Brady do that before training camp started. And I think we're going to see the same thing after the, the mini camp is over because these guys clearly need some more work together. Yeah, it could be some type of uh, passing academy or whatever fun phrase they want to use. I think Grizz, not Taylor Jenkins, but shout out to Taylor Jenkins. But this Grizz, uh, I agree with this comment a ton. How do you develop timing with guys you just met four days ago? You yeah. go through multiple reps over a period period of time. And just for context, like the videos that you just saw there from ABC Action News, the videos that like we put up on our social media when we're yeah. at practice, you mentioned before it's, it's just the um, – you know, it's just kind of like the warm up, the training period. Right. We have to stop filming and, and taking video at a certain point when they start doing 11 on 11 yep. and, and seven on seven. So, you know, and, they and, and honestly, the last Tuesday, they kind of caught fire. Right. Ex I mean, exactly. <laughs> like Kyle Trask throwing touchdown passes. Yeah. Uh, Baker Mayfield threw a John Wolford to, to Trey Palmer for a yeah. touchdown where he was wide open, where it was busted coverage, but still he yeah. hit him. Uh, yeah. John Wolford throwing touchdowns as well. So you're only seeing like, maybe 30% of like what they're right. what's actually going on. And also we talked about Mike Evans. Baker Mayfield was not throwing to Mike Evans. Those incomplete right. passes, that was not to Mike or Russell Gage. Chris Godwin is there. Do you see any incompletions to Chris Godwin? No, right. there's none to Chris Godwin. It's yeah. third and fourth string tight ends. Even that throw to co-keep the one where it went back to back where yeah. Kyle Trask had an incompletion and then, Baker threw it to Co-Keep, and that was incomplete. I don't know. If you watch it again, you can make the case that Co-Keep just dropped it. And it yeah, hit him in the it was hand. right through his hands. Yeah, yeah and yeah. he dropped it. So uh, the exaggeration is absolutely through the roof. But I get it. In today's social media, everyone's looking for a click or, yes. you know, you want this video to get a bunch of numbers. So It's still can... news, right? If it yeah, bleeds, it leads. And exactly. you know, there's all this Baker Mayfield blood all over the field and Kyle Trask blood because they both suck and all this right. stuff. And it just, it, it's just, it's not. It, it's, it's just not it's, telling the whole story. Yes. Yes. But and people listen. think that's what's going on. And that's yeah. the issue is people think right. that. Oh, this is how Baker looks the whole time. There's no way the Bucs are going to win anything. Yeah, I, I, I hope Vegas sees that and they put the right. Bucs over under wins down to five and a half. I would love yeah. that because I right. would take that in a second. And still, six and a half seems a little seems you know a little low to me. Seven and a half, you know, eight eight and a half. Like okay, then you're kind of getting into no man's land because you never know with injuries or whatever. I'm just thinking the Bucs are winning, winning at least seven games this year. I just just can't believe that otherwise. So. Just to kind of put a, a period on the end of this, I've seen some really bad Buccaneer quarterback play in, in my time. Uh, Chris Sims had some just absolutely god-awful practices. Uh, uh, so, some were so bad that I really felt sorry for Chris because Chris was a good guy, and Gruden was just demoralizing him, right, because he just was was not good. And some of this was before his injury. Then with, once he lost the spleen, all that stuff that was afterwards too. Uh, Josh Freeman, Mike Lennon, right? I mean, we've seen some quarterbacks that just not very good. And Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask are, are both looking better, um, at least in, in the two practices we've seen. And, and we'll see. We'll have a, you know, by the time minicamp rolls around, we'll have seen, what, three open OTAs or four by that point in time. And then 
three training camp or three mini mini camp practices. So yeah. we'll we'll have over a handful of practices under our belt that we've been able to watch and have a better understanding of. But at the same time, too, everything we've heard from Kate Otten and from the quarterbacks is this is a very quarterback friendly system, a lot of easy completions. And again, I'm going to be watching this because we're going to be talking about this tomorrow, tomorrow's show, cheap little plug here for, for the Tuesday show. But uh, the OTA analysis, I'm going to be looking at the instant impact DBs, guys like Ryan Neal, guys like Chris Izian, Josh Hayes, some of the, of the, the, the newer players, the Kayvon Merriweathers and see how they do. But Matt, I was a little worried about the defensive backs last Tuesday because there was a high percentage of completions being completed <laughs> against them. I'm like, where are the pass breakups? Where's the inter- interceptions? If, if Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask are so bad, uh, we have not seen the interceptions or the pass breakups or anything like that uh, with, with the regularity that you would think. I hear you, but I'll calm your nerves with, with a couple of points to that. One, you don't even have the full secondary there at the, at right. the moment. You know, Carlton Davis wasn't there. Two, it's, you know, it's May, now June. So a yeah. uh, long way to go. But I think also, especially with, with interceptions, it's a lot of it's the ebb and flow uh, of the game and practice and with no pass rush and yeah. blitzes where, yes, the blitz is coming, but you just run right past the quarterback because right. you can't yeah. hit him. It favors the offense. It, yes, it, yeah. it absolutely favors the offense. All and the I way. think the biggest thing that favors this offense specifically where it's like, oh, the defense isn't getting interceptions. What's going wrong? Or there's so many completions happening. Yeah. What's the problem there? If this was the Arians type of offense, vertical, Great point. down yeah. the field, yes, that's concerning. It takes longer to develop. Yeah. You have more time to stick with your receivers. As we've seen already, the meshes, the waggles, the quick little short five-yard, four, five-yard routes. You're getting rid of the ball quicker, and there's you're just getting to space much, much faster where yeah. the defense is playing zone. You're going to allow those passes because there's no really other way to defend it if the receiver runs three yards then finds an open spot in the pocket, again, with no pass rush going on where the D-line can't really affect the play. That's right. So we've got one really, really bad narrative down. Uh, Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask aren't that bad, and we'll have more for you. Tomorrow's show, we'll have another OTA to watch, and we'll talk about that. And we'll also have, you know, an update on on what happens with the quarterback battle all through minicamp the next week. But the second narrative we kind of need to to take some issue with is that the Bucks are tanking for Caleb Williams. If you've seen any of these mock drafts, you know that um, that the Buccaneers are pretty much a lock to be picked anywhere in the top ten. Some even the top five. Some even have the Bucks, you know, getting picked uh, number one or two overall and getting a, a quarterback like Caleb Williams from USC or Drake May from North Carolina. But I'll just say this. Uh, Todd Bowles doesn't want to lose his job. <laughs> Jason Light doesn't want to lose his job. Um, the, the NFC South, I, I don't see the team that got clearly better this year for all of the, the free agents that the Falcons signed and they, and they signed a, a boatload of them. They still don't have as many pro bowl guys as the Buccaneers do now pro bowl. I I'll be the first to admit it's a popularity contest more than anything. Uh, but at the same time, I think guys that, that typically we're thinking about that have made the pro bowl for the Buccaneers are legitimate. Right. Ryan Jensen, when he made it, that was a legitimate selection. Levante yes. David, uh, 
you know, Devin White, um, you know, he's had some flashes of greatness. I think he's he deserved a, a Pro Bowl honor. Honestly, I, I thought he deserved it in, in 2020, but he didn't make it. The Bucks, the Bucks only had one Pro Bowl yeah, player huh, in 2020. Scott, <laughs> uh, Scott I want to stop you. No, I was going to give it up to oh. as a trivia question for everybody okay. in the chat to see who can get it. But that's all yeah. right. Yes, it is crazy. JPP was the only guy uh, yeah. from that 2020 team. Yep. So, uh, but at the same time, the next year, I think the Bucks had like nine Pro Bowlers, right? So, yeah, uh, Winfield, they, they, uh, Tristan Wirfs, yeah, all, all that. So, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, they've they've got a lot of talent on this team that that have been there and done that, and um, and and they know how to win. And at the same time, too, this is an NFC South division that's still wide open. So, um, I, I'm giving the Buccaneers the benefit of the doubt that they're the leader in the clubhouse. And also, too, I think that that this offense is going to take a little bit of time for division foes, for the teams that are the early part of the schedule for the Buccaneers to kind of figure out, right? Like you could, the Bruce Arians offense honestly became predictable by 2022. Last year, it was predictable. The the play calling was predictable. That's on Byron Leftwich, but the routes and, and the concepts, all of that. That's why you saw the Buccaneers roll into Pittsburgh with that depleted secondary. No TJ yeah. Watt, no Micah Fitzpatrick. Uh, the only defensive star they had was was Cameron yeah. Jordan yeah. And, or Cameron Hayward. Yeah, Hayward. And and he he gave Luke Edicke fits and single-handedly destroyed the Bucks offense uh with, with that matchup. But um all of those backup players in Pittsburgh and the secondary were able to shut down the Buccaneers offense because Mike Tomlin went up against the Spruce Arians offense in training camp for years and he knew it and he knew the routes they were going to run, the concepts, what they wanted to do, you know, what their tendencies were. And he just outcoached uh, Byron Lefwich because that was a, a defense versus offense matchup. The Buccaneers scored less than 21 points in that game and uh, and the rest is history. So it, this offense, yeah, you can look at Seattle and you can you can look at at some of those things conceptually. But Dave Canales is a wild card. He has not yes. called a, a, a game. He hasn't called a play in the NFL. So for the Vikings, for the Bears in week two, for some of those early uh, season opponents for the Buccaneers, I think there's some opportunities for some, some real surprises. And I'm not saying the Bucs are going to light up the scoreboard coming out of the gates, Matt, but um, I, if I'm the Vikings and the Bears and some of those early season opponents – I'm kind of scratching my head as as to what film do I watch? You know they're yeah. not going to show a bunch during the preseason. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it, it benefits the Bucks in a way. You know, starting out against Minnesota, say what you will, some people think that they're frauds. At the end of the day, they won their division last year. And yeah. then week three, they play against the Eagles. We all know they're damn good. And then the following week, they play the Saints, who I know they swept the Saints last year, but by no right. means was it easy. Yeah. Um, so it almost is better – that the Bucs are playing some really good quality teams early in the season yeah. where you have the element of surprise. And that could be a great factor in so many different ways. But when you talk about the offense, I go back to what Rashad White said uh, last week. I, I think he said it really well when describing this new offense. He called it eye candy yes, and because people are moving around. And he said it essentially you said like while people are moving around and there's all this motion, it's still simple at the end of the right. day. And I think that's what this offense needs a little bit more than anything else. 
when you have two great wide receivers like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, all you need to do is simplify things. You That's don't right. need to do all this extensive, chaotic type of stuff. Sometimes, and this goes back to throwing the fade ball to Mike Evans, just put it out there for them to have an opportunity to make the play. And you know what? That's right. Most of the time, Mike and Chris are going to get the job done. But as far yep. as the Bucks not tanking in general, and I spoke earlier today on the show this afternoon about why bringing in Dave Canales, a first-time play caller, why that shows that they're not tanking, because why would Dave Canales get this biggest opportunity of his life just to right. come in and tank? That makes no sense. But I think you also have to look at the players that they brought in, a little bit more specifically on the defensive side of players that they re-signed. Yeah. Why on earth would the Bucks tank if they're bringing back a legend to yeah. the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Levante David for, you know, a cheaper price than what they had previously paid him during his tenure with the Bucks, but still not exactly the most inexpensive contract of all right. time. And re-signing Jamel Dean to a great deal because everyone thought he was going to get overpaid. Sure. And why would Dean want to come back if if this was a franchise going nowhere, right? Yeah. Uh, Besides the no state income tax with Florida. I mean, outside of that. Yeah, it doesn't make much sense. And then getting someone like Ryan Neal, who, again, I always go back to like similarities to Shaq Barrett, different positions. But Shaq, behind all of these great players, gets an opportunity to start and went insane with it. Ryan Neal's yep. trying to do that same exact thing now, but at right. the safety position, lining up next to Antoine Field Jr. The hires that they made, the signings that they made, do not add up to a team right. that is Ryan Neal wanted to come to Tampa Bay for two words, Todd Bowles. He wanted to play for Todd Bowles, right? It's that simple. And I know the Bowles haters out there might drive them crazy, but I'm just telling you, Ryan Neal's a damn good safety, one of the, the highest-rated safeties last year, according to Pro Football Focus. And I'm not sure why Seattle wanted to part ways with them. That uh, they viewed somebody else, one of their signings, as an upgrade. Uh, I'd rather have Ryan Neal, but but uh, that's that's the reason why he wanted to come to Tampa was to play in this Todd Bowles defense, which is very safety friendly, and he'll be paired with um, Anton Winfield. And uh, you know we'll be keeping a close eye on him tomorrow. Remember four o'clock. We're gonna have. Uh, I'm gonna keep my eye on the. The, uh, the defensive backs and secondary, see how they really do. I'm really going to hone in on, on them tomorrow. And, folks, if you want to hone in on, uh, on your finances, well, I can tell you where to do that. It's at the Muni Financial. At Amuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations. We're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead. Stay ahead. That's right, folks. You can get to Colorado, too, whether you move there, as my aunt and uncle did, or you vacation there, as Ashley and I did for our 10-year anniversary. Um, and you can go anywhere you want to go, uh, whether it's saving up for your college um you know, your kids' colleges, saving up your retirement, uh, anything that you want to do with, with, when it comes to legacy and, and retirement uh, plans, get the pros in your side. And that's at Amuni Financial. Managing your family's wealth means more to Amuni Financial than simply allocating your assets. It means legacy planning, brokerage and advisory services, retirement accounts, college savings accounts, 
and insurance services with 40 years of experience, not just in Tampa Bay, not just in Florida, but across the country. Let Immuni Financial help you plan ahead and stay ahead. Do what I did. Give Immuni Financial a call. Tell them Scott Reynolds sent you. 1-800-868-6864 or visit them on the web at Immuni.com. Scott, the last one that we have to address, which, again, is vomit-inducing, but the idea that the Bucs are going to trade Mike Evans, the first draft pick that general manager Jason Light ever made, the greatest offensive player in Tampa Bay Buccaneers history, future Hall of Famer, future Bucks Ring of Honor member, better person than he is a player and that says a lot talking about how great of a player that he is saints guy fighter saints fighter a guy that will stand up for all of his teammates and the practice squad too they are not shipping mike evans anywhere i don't care if they don't win a game next season unless a team says we will give you 10 first-round picks for Mike Evans. That's probably a little extreme. But, yeah, I just I don't see Mike Evans going anywhere. It doesn't even really make much sense for the Bucs anyway, besides getting draft capital. Like, financially, it doesn't really help them too much. They're better off, uh, you know, giving him an extension, which you obviously wrote about in a recent SRs fan. It's coming, yeah. Well, and see, that's the thing, too. It's like, if I was a national writer – Right. And I was going to do some crazy story like SI.com did. And they, you know, looking at every, you know, a player in every roster that could be traded. I mean, why not? Why not use Devin White? They're not going to trade him. <laughs> they've said, they said, yeah. they, they said that they're not going to. But if they're going to trade either Mike Evans or Devin White, it would be Devin White, not, not Mike Evans, because I'm not sure about Devin White's future in Tampa. But I know that Mike Evans has a future in Tampa. He's looking to get, what, 10 straight 1,000-yard seasons, you mm-hmm. know, and, and uh, he's uh, – I think he turns 30 in August, so he's not yeah, even 30 August yet. August 21st, yeah. Yeah, so he still has several good years worth of, of play left in him. Um, why would they trade him this year when they have Chris Godwin and Russell Gage as the only other veterans on this team? just doesn't make any sense. So sometimes you have these national guys, they're just looking for – a narrative, yeah, and, and they say... There was someone months ago that said that the Bucs should trade Antoine Winfield Jr. And yeah. I was like, what? That doesn't even... That makes even less sense. Yeah. I don't know. I, if, if I was a national writer, I would I would look for... You know, I was going to write about the Bills. I would look for the pewter report of the Bills, right? Or if I was writing about uh, the Saints, not that I would. I mean, who wants to write about the Saints? But, I mean, you know, I would look for the, the black and gold or, you know, the uh, you know, Saints report or w- yeah. whatever, whatever publication... Nick Underhill, uh, he usually breaks a lot of those. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah. I mean, just go go to the national media and and say, you know, is this a plausible idea? Just, otherwise, you look foolish. Mm-hmm. So, again, this year of all years, if you're going to write about the Buccaneers, write about maybe the Bucs trading Devin White and explore that possibility. But trading Mike Evans does nothing to help this team. And um, I'm not exactly sure what, what Mike Evans would fetch. And it certainly wouldn't be enough. I'm with you, Matt. It would have to be multiple first rounders. And I think for a, a player that would need a contract extension, something that's going to be in that 16 to $20 million, uh, you know, actually it's going to be 20 million. Here's what's going to happen. They're going to give Mike Evans the Chris Godwin deal, $20 million, maybe 20, 
twenty million and one dollar. So he was like right, one yeah. A <laughs> has bragging rights yeah. to Chris Godwin's one B. But I don't think Mike cares about money. I really don't. I think Mike Mike gives away more money than we even know about. Like some yeah. of some of the charitable stuff he does through the Mike Evans Family Foundation, we know about. Uh, I've heard from team sources that that he does not publicize all of the charitable donations and 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 money that he doles out to people in need, not just in Tampa, but Galveston and, and yeah. other places. Uh, he I, that doesn't I, shock I, that does not shock me in the least. I remember yeah. there was a story, and forgive me, I forgot who the the player was, but it was like a wide receiver that was a bubble guy, probably didn't mm -hmm. end up making the team. But like his house caught on fire and Mike like donated a bunch of money to him yeah. to get his house restructured. I remember I saw something on social media like a year or two ago. Yeah. Mike was at Fresh Kitchen. He loves Fresh Kitchen, so I'm not giving anything away. A lot of folks right. know this. <laughs> but um, like someone saw him, asked for a picture. He obviously gladly yeah. obliged. And then they went inside to like go get their meal or whatever. And they were like, oh, Mike Evans paid for everybody at Fresh Kitchen right now. Yeah. And, you know, just like those little things that, yeah. that Mike does. and He's special, know. folks. He's an icon. I mean, yeah. he is he is just as important to this franchise on the offensive side as Levante David is. And no disrespect to Levante, but like you said, Matt, he's the best offensive player of all time. And Mike had a great quote. I remember this specific guy. I probably wrote a story on it. It was after they won the Super Bowl, and he did uh, Michael Irvin's podcast, the mm -hmm. Hall of Fame wide receiver. And Mike was on it. He was kind of asked about, like, that the fact that he always restructures every year to help the team with the salary cap and taking less money to help guys and right. all that stuff. Well, when you restructure, you're not taking less money, but again, yeah. different discussion. And he was like, yeah, at the end of the day, if I give away some money or whatever, like if you win, you get it back anyway. Like, right. because if you win the Super Bowl, you get endorsements and yeah. you get more publicity and all that stuff. So he's like, yeah, yeah winning's all I ever really cared about because if right. you win, Good stuff comes with it. The money comes with it and, and all that types of things. Yeah. And, and you know uh, what? You know, he, here's here's the crazy thing. Like, you know, we live here in, in Tampa. We don't see Mike Evans like hawking cars, you know, or uh, he's not a spokesperson around here. I, I don't think that that stuff True. really matters to him. Um, I think yeah. he loves playing video games. Yeah. And he does. family he loves time. Basketball. Yeah. He's he loves basketball. basketball but I think he loves winning. He loves football. I mean, you know, th this is a job it's a passion for him and mm. I, I don't think that he is looking to you know um in, i don't know maybe, maybe fresh kitchen they they get him as a spokesperson now uh, after this i don't know but i'm just saying he's not on um on any local uh, spokesman or yeah, pitch he doesn't, duty right and i'm sure he could if he wanted he could, to. yeah for sure but I, I don't think that's important to him i mean again yeah. this is a guy who who probably in his mind thinks, wow, how much more money do I need? Right. Um, yeah. He could play hardball with the Buccaneers and probably get more than $20 million. But I think that the team's going to do right by Mike and say, we'll pay you what we paid Chris like yeah. two years ago. Yeah. And I think Mike will take it because at the end of the day, he just, he he's likes playing best. with, he's the he, best. he is the best. He <laughs> likes playing with his dudes. Chris is a dude. Um, he loves this team. He loves Tampa Bay. And he loves giving money away. So however much the team gives him, he's going to be giving X amount of it away. Uh, one and, last um, thing. As we and they're not going to be giving him away. They're not going to be trading yes, him. They're away. not giving Mike Evans yeah. away. Don't you worry, Bucks fans. The yep. last thing I want to say about Mike, as we wrap up the show, you, you talk about before that he's going to try to get his 10th consecutive season with a thousand yards, the most in career, uh, the most in NFL history in the, in anyone's career starting, uh, 
since their rookie season getting a thousand yards. Yeah. I do think it is kind of cool as well. A little feather in the cap. If you want to say the fact that he's done it or if he gets it this year with so many different quarterbacks, like it wasn't yeah. just like, Oh, well he right. played with Tom Brady. He's been fantastic. Like, Nah, he went through yeah. the ringer of a lot of different quarterbacks. And then if he does it this year with, you know, either Baker or Kyle Trask, whoever wins the job, I think that adds like a little bit more to his resume besides just he did it for a thousand years. No, sure. Or he did, did it for 10 years, a thousand right. yards. Like, yep. no, he did it with like four or five different Mike Lennon, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Jameis yeah. Winston, you know, Tom Brady. Um, so probably yeah. caught a pass from Blaine Gabbert. <laughs> Probably caught a pass, uh, pass from, from Blaine Gabbert. Um, and then, yeah, man. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, hopefully you all had some fun with us kind of uh, debunking some of these terrible media narratives that are out there about your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're not going to be that bad this year, folks. We're not going to say they're going to be good. We'll, we'll see how they end up faring at the end of the season. But uh, I don't think they're going to be that bad. Not, no. not bad where they're going to be doing a fire sale, trading Mike Evans, not bad where they're going to be getting a top 10 pick. And, and, um, and Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask, one of those two is going to be the starting quarterback. Gosh, darn it. And, uh, and, and they're not, they're going to, they're not going to be that bad either. No, no. And if you want to see us talk more about Baker yeah. Mayfield, Kyle Trask, please follow us on our social media and go to pewterreport.com on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our social media is at pewter report. And then of course, please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Pewter Report TV. We have a lot of great videos out now. Uh, James Hill, our newest addition That's to right. uh, PewterReport.com, putting out some videos. Uh, we had another video of uh, Rashad White talking about the Bucks offense, too. So a ton of great content. Please like and subscribe to uh, all of our platforms, especially our YouTube. But that's going to do it for us yep. on tonight's show. For Scott Reynolds, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everybody, for watching. We love you. And we will see you tomorrow at 4 p.m. for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. More OTAs. More OTAs. Out. 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 Out.